Hello and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. And today in the studio, we have a very special guest, Mr. Colin Duncan. How you doing, Colin? Hi, Paul. I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. Well, happy to see you. And we'll get into our uh, whole history here, your whole life story, actually. <laughs> um, so Colin uh, wrote a book. Um, it's called Stumbling into Success is Good, but Having a Plan is Better. And... Uh, you know, Colin's an esteemed member of our AGA community, so I'm going to let him introduce himself, and then we'll kind of dive into it. But, Colin, please introduce yourself. Paul, I appreciate the invitation, and for everybody else, my name is Colin D- Duncan. I'm a managing director at D- D- Deloitte, and I've been around AGA for a long time. It's been where I get my CPE credits and Quite frankly, I've met a lot of um, leaders over the years who have inspired me to be the the professional I am now. So happy to be here. Welcome again. All right. And uh, part of this history is I actually used to work for you. So you were my first boss out of uh, in the private sector. So I want to reminisce with you a little bit here. <laughs> So, yeah, we actually met. It was Bearing Point, right? Good old yep. Bearing Point. Yep. And uh, I was a government employee my first six years. And then, you know, I met you guys, and you all hired me, and thank you for that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we I took care of you. That's so, right. You, you and I'm, I'm always impressed to see how you have continued to progress over the years. So, really proud of all that you've accomplished. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, no, and, um, you know, give me some great mentoring. And I always thought you were very – Highly motivated individual. Obviously, we'll talk about that here. Um, you know, so I'm. I think everybody would love to hear your story, kind of uh, however you want to lay it out. I mean, so again, the book is on Amazon and wherever you want to buy it. So, and we'll put a link on the website too. Um, it's a good read, easy read, um, and it does document. I mean, it's kind of like your life story, right? You want to give us a little high level about sure, it? Sure, sure. The idea for the book was um, in my numerous mentoring conversations with people I work with, it's, I've, I found myself telling the same story over and over again about how my humble beginnings have really influenced the leader I've become. And so the, the, the elements within the book are just examples of things that I think about, um, points in time that were critical for me, in fact, pivotal for me, how I transformed my mindset to become the leader I am. And so I thought instead of doing half an hour increments with somebody repeating the same story over and over again, I thought it might be a good idea to put it in a book where mm-hmm. it would be an, I could easily point to it so that they can get a flavor for person I am, and then when we meet, we can go into more depth on their personal story and how I can be helpful for them. Right. The other reason I wrote the book was to give kudos to to my parents. Mm. They sacrificed a lot to allow me and my brothers to be where we are today, and so oftentimes... They are in the background, and you don't hear about all the things that they did. But I wanted to highlight their accomplishments, 
what is their story, because their story is an in instrumental part of my story. So mm -hmm. that's another mm -hmm. reason why I decided on on the book. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know, you know, about you know about you. Um, I knew you were from Jamaica originally, right? Um, I mean, well, you know, tell us a little bit about your early days, maybe things that inspired you to kind of start moving the direction you did. Well, I've always enjoyed math, mm -hmm. um, but I had no idea that I would become an accountant. I wanted to be a pilot. Mm. I was fascinated with airplanes. I still am fascinated with <laughs> airplanes, but... Because I stutter, I was um, persuaded not to pursue a, a path of becoming a pilot because in an emergency, right. that becomes a problem. Even though the reality is that's not a problem, but I was dissuaded from doing that early on. So I just continued in my career and um, ended up in at the University of Maryland. And with my dad's recommendation, I became an accountant. But as a child in Jamaica, we were just kids, and we always looked forward to what could it be like to take an airplane, to go to America. All those things were things that we always dreamed about, mm -hmm. so that when I finally did come to America, it was a really pivotal time in my career. Right. In my career, in my life. In your life, a little early, but yeah. Well, because a lot of your family went to England, right? Yeah. Yeah. At the time when, you know, in the 60s and 70s, there was a big push for Jamaicans to go to, to England to find a better way of life or to mm -hmm. go to find a job where they could earn enough money to pay for themselves in England, but also send back to their families in Jamaica. So my... Uncles did that. My aunt did that. My dad, however, he thought to come to America instead. So he went against the grain, if you will, mm -hmm. to do something different. And he took a big risk, which, you know, long, the long game, you could say it, pays, it paid off. But there were certainly some bumps and bruises along the way as well. Right, because, I mean, he came well in advance of you all, right? I mean... How long was it before you all came as well? He came to America 17 years before we ultimately came. Wow. Um, and it took longer than, than expected for <laughs> sure. But there, you know, it was hard in the early years. And then he hit a stride where he was an entrepreneur. He um, started to uh, auto mechanic shop where he was successful. And then... In um, 82, he had an accident where he, he injured his spine, and that um, took him off course. He's now paralyzed from the waist down, and that's been his situation for the last 30-something years. But through it all, he's kept a positive mindset, and that positive mindset is something that I've always um, appreciated and tried to adopt in everything I do. Yeah, so there's a lot of great stuff about your family in there, so I enjoyed reading that. Um, 
So, you know, in the title of your book, it's kind of like stumbling, stumbling through, right? So can you give us a little feel for why, why you characterize your career that way? You know, even from the beginning, so you got an accounting degree because you got a recommendation, but then you're like, now what, what do I do with that? Right. It's, I never really sketched out my career path or my journey from um, a, young, a young boy until, until now. I always said I wanted to be in business, but I didn't understand what the path was to get from where I was to where I am now. And so g growing up in Jamaica, it was always about do good in school and everything else will take care of itself. And so I was following that mantra throughout the years. I went to high school in America. Then I was told, okay, you should go to college. I never really thought about what college to go to. I didn't study for the SAT exam because I thought if high school was considered easy for me, I shouldn't have to study for the SAT exam. Yeah. I didn't do well in the SAT <laughs> exam, but then I, I got to go to University of Maryland, which I only picked University of Maryland at College Park because it was right next to where we lived. Right. It wasn't a strategic thought to say, which school should I consider based on my interest? So stumbled into University of Maryland, which ended up being a really awesome school. Yeah. Orientation day, I didn't know what to study, so I went home and asked my parents, what should I study? Accounting. Okay, I'll study accounting. After I finished school, my friends were studying for the CPA exam. I didn't know that you were supposed to study for the CPA exam, and so I followed my friends and stu studied for the CPA exam. Yeah. I passed the CPA exam, and then, okay, what's next? Right. So it was these... <laughs> event after event where I'm stumbling into these things, all good things, yeah. but it wasn't based on a plan. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, so many people are in the same boat, though, if you think about it, right? I think it's kind of the U.S. education system, though. It doesn't really point you in a direction, you know, like European, some of those are like, there's schools just for a thing, you know, I want to be a electrician in my whole life. Okay, good. And even in high school, you're doing that, you know, but here in the U.S., it's just, Eh, general knowledge, and you go to college, I'll oh, just pick a major, figure it out. You know? Sort of, right? In, in it can some, be that way. It, in, it can be that way, and for a lot of people, it is that way. Yeah, yeah. And yet, for some people, there's a strategy in place from, sure. from your in elementary school all the way up to college yeah. and into the professional world where there's a sketch mm -hmm. that you are executing again. There's a plan whether your parents or your yeah. grandparents sketch that out for you so that you're actually working towards some goal. And so those professionals may have benefited from that, mm -hmm. while others are just at a disadvantage. And until you unlock that combination, it's really difficult to achieve some of the success that you ultimately look to achieve in life. Right. Well, and going back to something you mentioned before, um, you know, I was just, so, you know, you, and we'll get to this whole, you know, you basically, you wanted to move toward path to partner, so to speak, right? Eventually, like, you know, leader in your CPA firm. Um, but do you feel like, you know, folks are out there willing to just give you all this direction and help and advice, or you really have to seek these people out? I, I, I don't know. I felt like in my career, it wasn't just like people were like, oh, 
here's how you do my job. Come and get it, you know? I think people are looking to give advice to other people. Mm -hmm. I think as a leader, you are always willing to give advice to the extent that somebody's seeking your advice. Exactly. And I never understood that because I was standing by waiting for the leader to give me an outline mm -hmm. of what I should do in order to get to do their job. Mm -hmm. And when that didn't happen, that was frustrating. Yeah. And you found yourself, I found myself spinning my wheels a lot, even though I'm saying I want to become this leader, but I wasn't asking the right questions. Yeah. I wasn't seeking advice in a way that a leader would recognize my request and in turn give me uh, an outline or something to react to where I could begin to work towards the leader I wanted to become. Yeah, so I think that's a huge piece. I mean, so, you know, if we're talking to young professionals or even people in the middle in their career, I mean, I just, these are some of the lessons I think they can learn from, from your book and from what you're talking about. Absolutely. That's the reason why I wrote the book. <laughs> That's right. No, I thought it was you were saying you want people to read the book first, then come talk to you. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you yes. have a question, read the but, book first. Exactly. But, but at least you showed up, and if you're asking my advice, go read the book first and come back, and we'll talk about your story. That's funny. Well, I mean, one of my little anecdotes, it's not business-related, but it was asking for help, and you're going to get it probably. So our old boss, Alex, you know, good old Alex. So I never run a marathon or half marathon or any kind of running. I was, you know, lazy. So, but everybody was like, oh, there's a 10 miler coming up. You should do it. I was like, all right, why not? I have no idea how to do this, but I knew Alex was a runner and I was like, why not? He was like our boss, our managing director. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, Alex, I hear you're into this running thing. Can you help me out? He's like, oh, no problem. Just give me, give me a day. And then the next day he sends me like the most detailed schedule of what to do every day for the next three months to prepare for this thing. I was like, what? And I couldn't believe somebody like him would take the time to give me this kind of guidance. Yes. But that's, that happens, right? People, happens people will do time. that. People will do that if you have the courage to yep. ask. Exactly. And that's the hook, Paul. <laughs> that's the hook. Yeah. Recognizing that there's something that you need and having the courage to ask somebody. Because you ask either they will take the time mm -hmm. or they'll spend their capital to connect you with somebody else who will give you the very thing that you are looking for especially if you are a strong performer mm -hmm. at the work that you do for them they will go out of their way yeah to help you so uh going back to the book here so you talked about you know your first couple jobs uh, i th believe the first one was what, what was that company again and what kind of Honeywell. Honeywell, that's what it was. Okay. But then you decided, did you go to KPMG shortly after that? It was GKA, which was a small oh, that's CPA right. firm. I, I was a CPA at Honeywell, and I didn't see a path to the leader I wanted to become. Right. I, wanted always, I always wanted to be a leader in the professional services industry. I liked what I had seen when I was on campus, and so that's the path I wanted to take. So after I became a CPA at Honeywell, I decided to explore professional services. And after 50 interviews, <laughs> five zero, right? <laughs> I got an offer from GKA. And I remember distinctly that
that the partner said, if you want to learn professional accounting, you learn it here. Okay. And I took a pay cut to go learn professional accounting. Okay. So, and then as you progress, you know, you talk about you really got great technical skills. You were just like Mr. CPA. Um, but then what happened when you were trying to get onto that next level? You know, what things did you have to learn beyond just the technical accounting stuff? You know? Right. I, I thought that technical accounting was going to be my ticket to partner. And as important as technical accounting is and your technical chops it yeah. are important, there's a relationship dimension to the business that we're in. There's a business development dimension to the business that we're in. Mm -hmm. And I never understood why I was not having the impact in terms of progression mm. as I thought I was having, despite being a really smart technical accountant. And it wasn't until um, the years of frustration culminated in my desire to just exit the profession altogether and do something different while when a leader told me, you know, the reason you're not progressing is not because of the environment around you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's your fault, mm. which was a, a sobering comment. And I was surprised that this was the strategy to retain. Right. That's <laughs> pretty blunt, right? <laughs> but in hindsight, it was exactly what I needed to hear because I never really thought about the combination of skill set mm -hmm. that you actually needed to run a business like the ones we're in. Yeah. Right? And it's so your technical chops take you so far, then you have to add in relationship dimension mm -hmm. and then the overall business development dimension is all three packaged together that's the sweet spot to advancing in your career in the professional services industry so so actually yeah after that conversation what I mean what were some of the key things that you then did because you did get that job eventually right I mean you did what did you do you mean after I was pissed off? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> went home and cried first. No. I went home, and <laughs> went home and cried, and th then I started to replay all the points that were shared, mm -hmm. which is, are you thinking about the business as a business leader? Mm. Are you thinking about um, building and nurturing a relationship where you are adding value to your stakeholder. Mm -hmm. And I had to admit that I wasn't. I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of a business owner, a leader. And I had to begin now reframing everything that I do or did through the lens of if this were my decision to make, what would I do? Mm -hmm. If my next comment was the most influential thing, what would the comment need to be? Hmm. And I started to approach my day-to-day -day activity from that lens. Mm -hmm. And what it allowed me to do, or 
what I ended up doing was being more thoughtful. And slowly but surely, I began to lead less with my technical abilities and more so on my business acumen so that I began to think about the business in a different way. And the more I did it, the more the positive responses from my, whether my clients or my fellow partners, it was just a different response because now Colin had a different way of showing up. Colin was showing up differently. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the most important element of all of this was my changed mindset. Mm. That was probably the most important thing I learned about eight years ago. There's nothing as powerful as a changed mind. Mm. Because before then, I would tell everybody that I want to be a partner, I want to be a leader, I want to run a business, dot, dot, dot. But I don't know if I actually believed it. Mm, interesting. And it wasn't until 2015 when I heard my pastor preach a sermon with that topic. There's nothing as powerful as a changed mind. And it resonated with me because then I made a decision that I actually believe mm. that I have to accomplish this thing, this thing called becoming a partner, becoming a leader. Right. So in my mind, I became that leader mm -hmm. right then. Okay. Even though I didn't have a title behind my name, my mindset shifted. Right. And that gave me a liberated feeling that I was now in control of my career versus, versus executing somebody else's yeah. Well, and didn't you say your wife also was like, you know, you say you want to be a partner. Why? What makes you different than anybody else, you know? Exactly. She asked me a couple of tough questions. <laughs> she said, look, why do you want to become a partner? So what? Yeah. When Colin becomes a partner. And I told her the normal stuff. You make a lot of money and you have flexible schedule. Nice car. Nice car, all of that. And she <laughs> said, that's great. Great, but that's kind of surface yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then she, when she said that, it occurred to me that I needed to go deeper to find out my why. Mm -hmm. And it took me about six months wow. to come up with a, a why. Mm -hmm. And the why is this. When I become a partner, I'm going to be a leader who helps navigate the complexities of a professional services firm because I struggled along the way and other people are struggling along the way to connect the dots if you will right the combination that makes you able to fulfill your aspirations in line with the business strategy and so once I got my why now I had this conviction that I must achieve this I'm going to use the tools. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to build relationships in different ways. I'm going to think about the business acumen skill set I need to develop. And of course, leaning on my technical capabilities, but it's all together 
that piecing all these together was why I said, okay, now I have the ingredients and I got to work executing all of them. So, yeah, I really like what you said about, you know, one of your goals is to help others come along. And, you know, I think and this is just my opinion and it's nothing to do with any company, but just in general, I've noticed that it feels like there's a lack of that, big lack of that. And I think it's to the detriment of those leaders because if you don't bring along your future leaders, your business goes to the toilet, you're done. So why is not more time spent on that, you know, explicitly identifying strong future leaders and then helping them navigate the very complex and political world to move up in the, in the company and make your company continue to be successful, right? I mean. I, I agree. Without people, your, your company's dying. Yeah. And so I, I, I always knew that that had to be a core principle that I applied and I applied every day and I'm so thankful for the people around me um, who were senior consultants eight years ago now who are partners and managing directors and they lead large complicated businesses with mm -hmm. me and I so appreciated the network that we have formed and if we can just scale that what if to your point Paul yeah. what if every business leader began to do this intentionally and created avenues for professionals who support them to intentionally build a roadmap that gives them an opportunity to become that thing that they want to become, yep. we would have tremendous progress, not only in our community, um, in professional services here with AGA, but across the, across the globe. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just too bad that that's not, I don't think enough attention is paid to that. Um, you know, but I mean, you're evangelizing here, hopefully a little bit. <laughs> um, so, and I wanted to also touch on, so I think you had mentioned in the book that, um, you know, that some of this feedback you got kind of made you more open to how you give feedback to people. So how has that changed? I think often we think people don't like or don't want direct candid feedback, but I think that is furthest from the truth. <laughs> I have so, I, I've looked back at that conversation where this leader told me it was my fault and that was the best advice that I could have gotten. Right. And I so appreciated that it wasn't some other song and dance to make me feel good, right. but got straight to the point. I've applied that in all my conversations and with, with love, yeah. I'm going to give very candid, direct feedback. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell what is going well and what's not going well. And then I'm going to get behind you and get into the boat with you yep. to help you fix the things that needs to be fixed and be a part of your journey going forward. This thing called leadership is hard. It, 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 is, it, it is a hard thing. Yeah. And it requires your time to not only give the advice, but people are going to value your advice when they see your authenticity mm -hmm. and that you're willing to get in the boat with them to help them to progress. 
I feel like this is a characteristic of successful people, though. Like, you tend to want to know what are you not doing well so you can fix it, so you can make it better. You know, it's, it's not just give me all this, you know, great things I'm doing. Like, I know what I'm doing well. Don't, that's, thank you. But what am I really messing up? How do I fix this? How do we make it better? You know, that's, it's just a characteristic I've seen a lot of people that right. move up in the world, you know. And challenge. People want to be challenged to, mm-hmm. if you see a potential, if you see potential in somebody, challenge them to think bigger than what they are thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. As a leader, mm-hmm. if you should help them and don't let them dream small mm-hmm. when you see some value in them that they could do bigger things. It's our job to recognize that and pull out of them what you see in them. Not to force anybody, but create a space mm-hmm. for them to become what they could become. Yeah, and it's, that's a good way to put it, too, because what they can become, they're not going to become you, they're going to become them. 100%. It's all about them. Right. I'm here to enable them to be successful for what they aspire to be. Yeah. Well, you know, as you hear here, Collins figured it all out. So read that book. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So we have about a minute or so. I wanted to just kind of have some final thoughts here. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to mention, I mean, again, you speak about your family, not just your parents and brothers, right? But also your wife, your kids, you know, you want to speak a little bit in your church, you know, do you want to speak a little bit about how those folks uh, inspired you or kept you, uh, helped you out on this journey a little bit? I remember back in 2007, I, I was really smart technically, but after I met Asita and she said yes, that was a pivotal time because now I felt, I, I felt the most confident that I've ever felt because this beautiful woman <laughs> said yes and I had the technical chops. I felt I could conquer anything. And we've been on an incredible journey since 2008 when we got married. We have two beautiful kids, and those are my, that's the reason I show up. Mm -hmm. I need to provide for them, and the way that I get strength is from my belief in Christ, and my church enables that. And so altogether, I'm so thankful and blessed that I have an opportunity to be along the journey with people where I can have a positive impact on their lives and help them to be successful for whatever they aspire to do. Right, and as you say in your book quite a lot, amen, right? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen, all right. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up. Colin, this has been awesome. I know time went by fast, but uh, I do encourage folks to go get the book, My Journey So Far, Stumbling, into Success is Good, Having a Plan is Better by Colin Duncan. And is that your daughter did the cover design? My daughter did the cover design. All right. You're going to get her in that art art school world. What, what are you, you got to guide your kids here, right? No, that's a great, I, I love that. So, and again, thanks for, for joining us today. And uh, I appreciate you coming in. Paul, thank you. All right. Well, that was Accountability Talks with AGA. And uh, this is Paul Marshall signing off. Thank mm-hmm. you.